The Medical College of Wisconsin Office of Student Health and Wellness presents Well, 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 where each episode a very special guest and I discuss what it means to be well in the world of health science education. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of Well, Well, Well. It's the next segment of the Failure Share series and I'm excited to introduce Dr. Himanshu Agrawal. Himanshu was born in New Delhi, India. Both of his parents were accountants in the great Indian bureaucracy. However, since his mother was in the Ministry of External Affairs, she was often deployed as a diplomat. Thus, Himanshu spent his childhood toggling between New Delhi and other cities such as Bangladesh, London, Moscow, and Nepal. His formative experiences have helped establish his firm belief that no matter where we reside, we human beings are more similar than different. He was accepted into a very prestigious medical school through affirmative action and is no stranger to the imposter syndrome. In 2002, he emigrated to Minnesota where he completed his psychiatry residency and child psychiatry fellowship. Prior to moving to the U.S., he made sure he achieved his goal of winning 100 competitions, mostly solo vocals. Himanchu is currently an assistant professor of psychiatry and behavioral medicine at MCW, and his promotion to associate professor was approved just a few weeks ago. He has an outpatient practice at Tosa Center and serves in various clinical and educational admin roles. He has always been a student of the human mind and is currently training to be a psychoanalyst. Himanshu feels he has finally won enough awards and accolades to stop enumerating them in his bio. Twelve years of being in psychoanalytic therapy and the COVID pandemic have helped him realize that his calling may lie in the arena of well-being and burnout amongst healthcare professionals. He's in the process of establishing a nonprofit organization to raise equity in the STEM fields of science, technology, engineering, and math. His wife accuses him of being holier than thou, more than is necessary, and as usual, she's probably right. I hope that you all enjoy this episode. Be well. So thank you so much, Dr. Agarwal, for being here today. I'm really excited to hear about your two fails. We'll get started with the same icebreaker question I ask all of our very special guests. What's one way that you've been promoting your wellness or taking care of yourself recently? Sure. So actually, my wife got me a, a fancy bottle that's synced to my a water bottle that's synced to my phone, and it uh, tracks how many how much water I'm drinking every day. So my wife, being my wife, she has calculated how much water I need to drink every day, and of course, just like most people, it is uh, I'm drinking a lot less than I need to, and it glows every time as a reminder. So that's something that I've been doing to promote my wellness because uh, we're you know seventy percent water or something like that. Wow, that's very cool. The technology is so amazing, right? There's so many ways to keep us making the good choices. (laughs) I think so. Yeah, I think technology can be used for good and evil. And and this is some good CBT with with the aid of technology. Right, exactly. So Dr. Agawal is here to so graciously share not just one, but as I said, two failure stories with us, uh, what happened, how he responded, what he learned, and how he's integrated these failures into who he is today. So let's just dive in with the first one, Dr. Agarwal. How did you fail? What happened? You bet. So first things first, I would love it if you... Uh, called me Himanshu, and if you sure. and the listeners actually listen to what I have to say as Himanshu, uh, um, absolutely. And and of course, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm very proud of being Doctor Agarwal, but, but I think for the sake of uh, this podcast, Himanshu is is probably uh, who you want to invite, and then hopefully who you have invited. 
Does that make sense? Perfect. Yes, absolutely. Great. So the first story, uh, I've had many, many failures, um, like like many of us, I'm, I, I, I hope, um, because, uh, you know, failures are good teachers, necessary teachers sometimes. In other words, I worry about the people that, that haven't had a lot of failures, not that I wish that upon them. So the first failure was probably when this was seventh grade, sixth grade. So I would have been uh, about uh, 13 years, 12 or 13. I, uh, you, uh, I was told that I was a good singer. And uh, back in India, where I grew up, uh, it's based on the British system. The school I was at, there were these four houses, kind of like Harry Potter, you know, Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, etc. So we had four houses and the four houses would compete against each other for all sorts of extracurricular um, competitions. And uh, I was put forth to represent my house for the inter-house uh, singing competitions, the solo uh, vocals competition. And uh, I was there. I, uh, the entire school was sitting in front of me as I'm singing. And right in the middle of my song, I forget the next line and I just go blank. Mm. Uh, as, a, as a little kid, uh, you can imagine, even for a grown-up perhaps, but especially for a yes. kid, I was absolutely terrified and horrified. And there was this very long pause and nothing came out of my mouth. And then the snickering started. And then pretty soon the entire hall is just has just erupted with the, with the laughter, including some of the teachers, frankly. And then they're just uh, uh, laughing at me. And it was uh, very humiliating and very traumatic. And uh, in my uh, deep wisdom, I suddenly pretend that I have uh, a very sharp, a headache. I don't know what I was trying to do. It didn't, I don't think it fooled anyone. But uh, I still remember this one prefect, this senior student who came up and very kindly, lovingly took me by the shoulder and took me off the stage to take me out of my misery. And as I still remember as if it was yesterday. What happened after that is I plummeted into uh, a whole year, a phase full of uh, self-doubt and despair. Um, I love to sing. I still do. I used to love to sing back then. I sang at every single occasion, but I just stopped singing. So that wow. humiliation, that failure, quote unquote, robbed me of something that was uh, that I loved to do, that it brought me joy, but also a big part of my identity until the next year came around. So one day, uh, about one year later, I'm uh, um, entering my school gates and my one of my teachers is standing there and she taps me on the back, pats me on the back and she says, this kid's going to win us our trophy today. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about, ma'am. And she said, well, you're going to, you're going to, we have the inter-house music competition this afternoon and you're going to sing a song for us, any song you like. And uh, I immediately was, uh, had a panic attack and I said, no, I'm not. And she said, yes, you are. And uh, at least back in India or the India that I'm from and, and back in that time, uh, capital punishment was quite common. So we'd get slapped and beaten and our knuckles bruised by our teachers uh, all the time. And uh, this was a particularly fierce teacher. I was worried that if I didn't go on stage, she would uh, beat me black and blue. So that day I went up on stage and uh, the fear of being beaten by the teacher overcame the fear of uh, failure and being laughed at by the students. And uh, I sang and uh, won first prize. And more importantly, got my, um, my confidence back and uh, uh, never looked back. Wow. To the point where, you know, in, in my... Um, youth in my 20s, as, as many people are in their 20s, uh, in my arrogance, I, I set a somewhat whimsical task or, or a goal of uh, winning 100 singing competitions before I came to America, which I which I accomplished. Again, you know, the point here being not that I, that I won those competitions, but that uh, I won over my fear 
but because of another fear. Right. That's amazing. And what do you feel like, you know, we, we always ask the question with your 2020 hindsight, right? What do you notice or what have you learned now about that experience looking back with all your wisdom? Hopefully, you know, with all of our failures, uh, if we, if we're able to harness them, it, it teaches all of us a little bit of wisdom, right? Sure. So when I think back at that time, there's two things that strike me. One is I will never forget how that prefect made me feel. In a sea of humiliation and lack of support, how that one uh, kid's smile. And so, you know, it's, it reminds me of my Angelo's uh, quote, which, which I'm paraphrasing, that people will never forget the way that they made you feel or you made them right. feel. So I will never forget that, that kindness that was shown to me and the power of the kindness that uh, was part of the ingredients of uh, what helped me thereafter. The second thing that I that I look back is, you know, uh, everyone loves a cool Hollywood story or a Bollywood story where I come from about uh, about uh, success and overcoming failure. But but really, the reason I tell the story is sometimes it's not cool or sexy. Uh, sometimes it's not this protagonist that overcame uh, their fears and just you know dipped down deep within themselves and thought about their grandmother or you know the people after him and and uh, et cetera et cetera. No, it was just, I was scared of getting slapped. And so, right. sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's just awkward and messy and, and it's, it's a lot more normal and human, these, uh, these success stories or what propels these success stories than, than we imagine. I love both of those points. Okay, should we dive into the next one? Oh, yes, you bet. So the next one also, uh, interestingly, involves uh, kind of a kind person um, who was also a senior. So this is, and I've written about this at Transformational Times. Uh, this was, uh, I was a medical student and I had uh, spent 12 hours a day for 12 months preparing for my USMLE. And I uh, had received my score and it was abysmal. It was, uh, there used to be um, two digit scores back then. I frankly have repressed uh, what the exact score was, but let's say it was, it was pretty close to the lowest score you can get. And uh, um, I'm, I was devastated. I was in a daze. I was in shock, frankly. And I think for two or three days, I never, uh, I didn't sleep. I didn't eat much. I used to smoke back then. Uh, best habit I've ever kicked. And so there I was in the 24-hour cafeteria in the middle of the night, uh, you know, in my woes, feeling sorry for myself, uh, devastated, in shock. Uh, I had uh, I'd forgotten the number of times I'd cried. Um, the road ahead seemed to have reached a dead stop and nothing, uh, it, it, I, I couldn't figure out how to move forward after, uh, it, it seemed like I was beyond the point of no return. And uh, I'm sitting there and the senior student comes in and he says, hey, why the long face? I said, well, um, I, I didn't do well in my uh, step exam. And he said, oh, what was your score? You know, and I burst out crying and I told him the score and he gets very serious. He's like, yeah, oh yeah, that is a bad score. It's like, great, you know, yes. for support. But at least he's being honest. And he said, well, you know, with that score, the only thing you can get is psychiatry. And suddenly, you know, I gave him a, a, an expression that he was not expecting. I, I just, I stopped crying and I started grinning. It's like, I'm beaming. He's like, really? Are you serious? He's like, yeah, sorry. You can't get internal medicine like everyone else wanted at that time, um, apparently. Uh, or it seems so. And I said, but that's what I want to do. I want to do psychiatry. And this guy smiles back and he says, well, then what are you crying for? You got psychiatry. Um, come on, the next cup of tea is on you. And just like that, my hope came back. 
and my rigor came back and I uh, jumped right back into preparing for the next step, step exam. Now, looking back, that kid that walked in, he was probably 19, 20, 21, because we go from high school to med school in India. He probably had no clue. He was not, he was not a pundit. He was not an expert in figuring out what, what a good score is. He's sitting on this end of the world, but he had uh, confidence. So in that moment, I kind of ended up borrowing his idiopathic confidence, his blind confidence. And, right. and you know, and that's what I kind of, uh, there's a saying in Hindi where I come from, uh, which translates to, if you're drowning, sometimes just uh, a straw is enough to keep you afloat or something like that. And that was kind of like the ridiculous straw that kept me afloat at that point. And, uh, you know, here I am, uh, this, this uh, surreal honor of, uh, of uh, sharing my story in America at Medical College of Wisconsin. Um, and hopefully there's uh, people uh, that are uh, listening and, and, and hopefully uh, there's one person that's saying, you know what, that, that story is useful to me. Yeah. And I, I think going back to your point about the previous story to this idea that you know, and we've talked about this in previous conversations, it's not necessarily the clouds opening up, right? Like this hero's story. Right, and this just, montage starts. Yeah, so it was just this one person who had this blind confidence that sort of turned things around for you. Correct. I think both of those th uh, stories, what I like about them is that there's nothing um, extraordinary about them. In, 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 in some ways, they're kind of ridiculous. Like, seriously, right. that's, what, that's what got you out of that funk? That's weird. And that's my point. Right. So uh, it, it doesn't have to be something big. Um, it doesn't have to be something grand. I will tell you when I uh, when Transformational Times accepted this story and it got published. Um, since then, I've had um, one of my patients was a medical student came to me and they said to me, um, you know, um, by the way, that story. And they said it so nonchalantly. It's a little eerie. So that story. It came out that Friday and I read it. I don't usually read TT, but I read it. And uh, I was planning on committing suicide. Wow. And I read that story. Wow. And I, instead, I decided to come to see you. Now, I can't not tell the story anymore. Right. Because of what happened. At least that's how I feel. Uh, it just, uh, I, it took a very long time for me uh, for that to sink in. Is again, but, but it, it, uh, it, uh, underscored it, it uh, um, reiterated the importance of very normal stories and normal failures that yes. seemed like a big deal to us in that right so not only are uh, our most failures uh, surmountable if that's a word but also i think talking about the day-to-day -day failures at least the lesson i've learned is is, is has its has its use Yes, exactly. I hope that that's what all this is about, right? Mm -hmm. It's just the the most normal day-to-day -day sort of failures that we all experience. And I think why why we keep them under wraps, I'm, you know, I have some guesses why, I guess, <laughs> but <laughs> being able to put them out and ones that people can relate to. Right. So important. So what would you, I know we've, we've had a cut, you've certainly shared a couple of messages or takeaways, I think, but Ultimately, what do you want our listeners, MCW students, to know about failure or to understand about failure? Yeah, so I think the message I wish to give to remind everyone is that uh, medical training is uh, highly, uh, um, well, everyone knows that it's very stressful. 
but we sometimes forget that it's highly um, uh, um, synthetic, or it's highly it's a it's a very uh, warped kind of made up surrounding. Real life is not like medical training. Medical training prepares you for real life as a physician, but medical training is is a very artificial environment. And so, uh, how you do in medical training is generally, uh, I don't think it has a very uh, very good validity or correlation with how you do in your professional career. Right. But just because someone's telling you, first of all, don't let anyone tell you what a good medical student should look like. Um, me and I can and name so many others are prime examples of, uh, uh, you know, ba back when I was in medical school, I was told to my face that I was a quote unquote bad medical student, right? And I'm so glad that I figured out some defense mechanisms to, to develop a thick skin and persevere through that because uh, it would have uh, come in the way of me graduating and uh, all of these joys that I've had being a physician, I would have been uh, uh, deprived of. So don't let anyone define what a good medical student is. Follow your heart. You're here, you're at MCW, that means you're intelligent, you're hardworking, um, you are ethical. Um, and uh, um, no one has, no one, including your, your most favorite teacher, has the recipe for what a good medical student looks like. Uh, we're constantly evolving and changing and your generation is teaching us a lot. I'm saying this to the medical students right now. Right. Secondly, um, we invest so much into our identity. Um, medical training is especially cruel because you, there's so much money involved and so much time and uh, you put everything aside. Remember that, keep that in context that, it, that uh, if not now, then pretty soon around the corner, you will realize that there is so much more to life than just medical training or even your medical, your, your professional identity as a physician. You must remember that because not remembering it, especially if not remembering it could cost you a lot, including your life. That is the enemy. If you ever get to a dark spot where you feel like if I'm not, if I'm not a physician, that I'm nothing, that right there is the enemy. Yes, I feel like I've shared that sentiment a lot and I think it means so much more coming from you, Himanshu, right? With <laughs> with being an MD, but I, I've shared that sentiment a lot in different presentations. And it certainly have come up on past podcast episodes, this idea that our identity being so wrapped into one thing. And I think specifically for medical students and I'm sure pharmacy students and graduate students, it's so and yeah, I think difficult people, uh, to not see that as, as the whole. I agree. It's not just relegated to medicine. It, it, this, this, there's some professions or careers that tend to have a great amount of pomposity and narcissism and hubris like listen we are amazing we are special we are better than others and uh, if you it, it's a lot of elitism and the mm. corollary unfortunately is and if you can't be us then you're nothing right and i i think some of that of course uh, uh, not all of that is from the system but i think a lot of it is and thankfully i i truly believe this otherwise i wouldn't be working at medical college of wisconsin i believe that mcw is one of the places that actually gets it and you can see the writing on the wall. Whenever you want to know if someone's serious about something, follow the money trail. Um, they're spending a lot of resources in looking at uh, or, or uh, catering to exactly what I'm talking about. Right. So Himanshu, if students or listeners are so inspired by this conversation and they want to continue it, um, how can students reach you or where can they find you? Oh, sure. My email address is H-A-G-R-A-W-A-L at mcw.edu. So it's my first initial and last name at mcw.edu. Uh, if it's uh, sub, um, if it's urgent or life-threatening, uh, you know, uh, do not email me, please. 
um, I, I feel I need to say that because I can't afford not to say that because of the other hats I wear. Sure. Um, but uh, please know that I will get back to you um, uh, very soon. And if you don't hear from me, I probably accidentally clicked red. So please do email me again. Well, thank you so much. And I will put Himancho's email in the show notes as well. So you can access it there. Yes. So thank you. Thank you so much, Himancho, for coming on. And as I said, so graciously sharing two stories. I really appreciate it. I know in a past conversation, we've talked about how great both of them are because they're so wrapped in your identity, right, as being a singer and um, as being a physician. And so I think it's so great that you shared both of those stories and as you've said getting at the the fun of life you know the singing the hobby part and then as well as your professional development so thanks so much for being here I really appreciate it and I'm sure that the listeners are ever so grateful as well thank you Carrie it's been a pleasure